RTT number 60. 60? Five dozen of them. And Mike just said the beauty of it is it doesn't have to make sense. The beauty of it is it doesn't have to make sense. That's the beauty. Not in reference to the podcast, but yes, in a lot of the world today. Much of life. <laughs> Much of life. So you are settling in yeah. uh, in the, the, the Palmetto State, land of South Carolina. Uh, and uh, I guess you're just saying it's uh, it's a little, uh, uh, lot, there's a lot of uh, virus activity in your in your area more than here in the great state of missouri is that correct yeah it's very correct they were um they asked myrtle beach everyone that went to myrtle beach recently to go home and quarantine for two weeks they have probably a thousand new cases a day in the state uh it's a law today in columbia city limits which i'm not in but it's very close is uh you have to wear a mask if you get outside of your vehicle or in public mm. so so, uh, is what is the deal with your church and services and starting back up? Yeah, they've started. We've started. Um, I start work actually next Wednesday, July 1st, hmm. start day. So they've started. Um, and then I believe they're planning on um, all systems go in the offices after next week. Hmm. Uh, they've done virtual meetings and they'll do virtual meetings through next week. And then I believe they'll. They'll meet wow. in the offices. So uh, this is Lexington, and 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 it's probably similar to where you are, Mike. There's a St. Louis city, and then a little bit outside of that, mm-hmm. you know, there's mm-hmm. St. Louis County, and then just the cases aren't the same in Lexington as they are in Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, so so, yeah. so you're gonna wear a mask in the office and stuff. I believe so. Yeah, which which makes me I, I I've had a couple disposable. Now I got to like. I gotta, gotta get buy, a real. I gotta buy a real. I gotta buy a cool one, yeah, too, man. Yeah, I buy a cool one. <laughs> yeah, right, right. One of those desperate, one of those desperado uh, ones. That yeah, go around your neck. Skull or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So we are. Uh, I mean, our office, I think, is technically open, but a lot of people are still working home mm-hmm. uh, because of uh, our friend Chris. Uh, Chris is uh, positive positive test it sort of was a little bit of a reminder of yeah we need to we need to take this all this stuff seriously um so um that's where we are and <clears throat> hopefully um hopefully things are things will begin to settle down a bit uh there and here uh, in that regard uh hopefully it is not the end of the world but we're going to kind of talk about the end of the world yeah. uh on this day um and, uh, you know, we have talked about in the past, there's lots of uh, uh, cultural uh, expressions of you know, kind of apocalyptic uh, or, you know, post-apocalyptic TV shows, movies, um, stories, you know, novels. They're, they're, they have proliferated in the last uh, 10, 20 years, maybe, I guess. Mm-hmm. 10 years. Uh, and so, um, why do you think that is? First of all, hmm. I don't know. You just made me think of zombie apocalypse and then Mad Men. Zombie apocalypse and Mad Men. Two and different I, sort of apocalyptic shows. Two different, and, and I was just kind of thinking how like the era of Mad Men and soon after, what would they do if they saw a car with the, you know, zombie apocalypse survival kit that I've seen, you've probably seen. Uh-huh. So that transition from, Hey, uh, 
nothing can stop us. Life is incredible. We're right only, future. Only going right. to right future to, mm-hmm. hey, the zombies are going to kill everybody. Right. Or it's, there's a deadly virus. Or there's a deadly virus. Yeah, that is a theme of a lot of pandemic stories. A deadly virus comes. <clears throat> post-apocalyptic yeah that's right it seems like not that long ago it was the jetsons it was Mad Men. it was onward and upward or at least part of the culture was you know they were we were all going to be flying around in jetpacks uh i was in college i was at college i was at the university uh in uh 19 uh, uh 83 maybe when uh I think it was 83 princess purple rain came out and we were going to party like it's 1999. Mm-hmm. And it seems silly. Cause, and you're looking back, well, that's only like 16, 17 years later, <clears throat> but it seemed like forever. Yeah. You know, 2001, a space odyssey seemed like, you know, that was made in the late sixties, I think. And that was like in 2001, we're going to be doing deep space journeys to whatever. Well, see, so you, uh, you remember Back to the Future too? Yes. So when the hover, it's the hoverboards and all that, and the setting is 2015. Right. 2015. Right. right. And so that's the, like, we always have this weird view of the future. Uh, and then if it's like, it's either too optimistic or ridiculously optimistic. Because um, in some ways, of course, that we have walk around with computers that we can talk to. We have access to every piece of information, basically. Uh, ever published in our phones, um, uh, we, you know, we probably that becomes too routine or something, uh, and so in some ways it's probably surpassed some of our uh, expectations. But uh, but uh, it's either that or it's um, you know the post apocalyptic, the apocalyptic stories where the story we're in is going to end. Uh, that's like the message: the story we're in is going to end badly mm-hmm. and afterwards it's going to be bad <laughs> right. And that, right and that's and it's about survival and what you do to survive because all of this trappings of civilization and so on are gone uh and it is an interesting it kind of gets down to who are we really if you take all of our cultural or change all of our cultural norms and patterns and institutions then who are we really as human beings um but that's just, it's interesting that that's something that we keep thinking about. Uh, I was thinking of, uh, and then, and then of course, maybe that's a way of us thinking about death, our own death. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just an expression of anxiety and fear that when I'm thinking about Mad Max, I'm, I'm you know, partly thinking about my own my own death when my, when my life is, is over. Um, and, uh, maybe think of, uh, in the two towers, I think it's the two towers. Um, Pippin says to Gandalf, um, you know, is this the end? Cause you know, it looks like doesn't look good, right? The orcs are, are, uh, gonna, are gonna come in and and Gandalf says to Pippin, death is just another path, one that we all must take. The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. Then you see it, which is interesting because he doesn't really say much more than what, what, what it is. Uh, but the idea is to Gandalf, no, it's not the end. The end of this story that we're in, uh, the story of our lives, A, and the story of earthly history that our lives are contained in, 
the end of either one of those things, whichever comes first, is not the end. It's the end of one thing and the beginning of another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in some ways, a lot of the post-apocalyptic stories and such don't really help us deal with the reality of, so then what does that mean? Because there's like a fatalistic sense to some of that post, like the world's going to end. There's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm. It's it's war. It's pandemic. It's people things out of our control. That's that ends. And so, uh, and so it's kind of almost a a theoretical thing. Uh, but you know, this is we're saying it's an actual real thing. Like that is going to happen. Either you're going to die, or this age as we know it uh, is going to end, and the apocalypse will come. Uh, and how, what does that mean for us? Um, we probably should define apocalypse. Okay. What do you think? How do you, how would you define apocalypse? Do you know the actual real definition? Uh, I'm not off the top of my head. I think it means, uh, like literally there's some sense of inbreaking, uh, that it means the 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 next age sort of breaks in to this age and then and and then this age is over mm-hmm. uh, i think that's kind of what it's so it's the end of this age that we're in and then the, the obliteration of it really and then the beginning of of some new age uh and the knowledge that that is coming either our death or the apocalypse um is coming should do something for us, help us, inform us, something about our lives, give meaning to. Uh, and I think we often don't, if you don't think about it, and then I don't think we obviously think about it productively or in a way that's really helpful uh, uh, or biblical. Um, you know, like we're so caught up in the day-to-day, the whirlwind, the stuff that we have to do that we don't necessarily think about the context of our lives, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Um, and so let me, um, let me read part of it's first Thessalonians five and it talks about, um, it, it all talks about this. Uh, let me read it. We'll talk about it. Um, but Paul writes now, brothers and sisters about times and dates, we do not need to write to you for, you know, very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us be le- not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk and drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation is a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. So um, they're worried about, the context is, people, you know, they've got the message of the gospel, they're living doing their thing, they're in their church, people are dying and they want to know, hey, what's going on? I thought, basically, I thought this whole, our story would be over 
and the story of this age of the earth would be over before some of us started dying and that didn't happen. Uh, and so Paul's writing and talking about that, but you know, he talked about in the previous chapter when the Lord will come and take, take the church or, uh, the second coming. And <clears throat> here he's talking about something similar, but maybe not, maybe subtly different. Uh, he talks about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night unexpectedly. Um, so that's a phrase that goes back to it's throughout the Bible, throughout the old Testament. Um, what is the day of the, how, how would the day of the Lord have been seen like in the old Testament? Uh, well, when I, when I think about that, I think, um, the, the word day of the Lord, the phrase day of the Lord could almost be interchanged with, um, judgment in the old Testament that God will come and bring uh, judgment. Uh, the challenge with the word judgment is we always uh, in, in upload our own uh, meaning and freight to it. And um, in the to the Jews who would have been in sync with the Old Testament concept of judgment, it would have been a very positive thing. Uh, because if you remember their history, uh, they were consistently oppressed and nations more powerful than them were always overtaking them and pressing them down and keeping them under their boots, so to speak. And so uh, judgment would could be almost interchanged today with justice, that God will come and right the scales um, uh, in my life, but also in uh, nations uh, in the world. And so the day of the Lord um, kind of grows from that concept of God will come and visit the earth and bring about justice. And uh, I kind of see it like a transition as you're talking about the, with a story um, in that, in the two towers with Pippin, that's, that's the middle of the whole story of, mm -hmm. of the Lord of the Rings. And there's a transition and a, a chapter closes out this chapter, goes into the next chapter. There's things that are similar. There's continuity between the chapters because the story is continuing. And then there's things that are, that are very dissimilar. There's discontinuity between the chapters and between the stories. So, uh, you know, Paul uses two analogies here um, to describe what the day of the Lord is. He says it's like, it's like a thief in the night, as in uh, connecting it to about dates and times. You don't know and you don't need to worry about timing. What you need to be concerned about is preparation. Because um, then he talks about as labor pains on a pregnant woman, you know, two similes to describe mm -hmm. what the day of how. Basically, he's he's there concerned about um, don't don't get caught up in predicting when the day of the Lord is. You need to be prepared and be continue to be preparing for the great chapter transition is one way to say it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think there's, yeah, there's a lot there that you said that um, we could probably unpack that <clears throat> when we cry out, when we pray, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you know, when we cry out, when we lament, how long will there be this injustice in the world? How long will there be suffering? Um, the answer, one in one sense the big, the bigger answer is until the day of the Lord, mm -hmm. right? That's when the books will be balanced. That's when the wrongs will be righted. Uh, that's when the, uh, 
the very sick patient will go through a very painful treatment, if you will. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I think of that. It just came to, you know, it, that, and I don't know, I, I think of that. I don't know if that, how, I don't know if I'll stay with that, that picture, but the idea that I don't know that we know how sick we are, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we acquiesce ourselves to, we don't things are pretty, you know, things are, things in my life are fine. I mean, pretty much, I mean, nobody's perfect. Uh, or the world is better than it was, uh, where there's a lot of injustice, oppression, and that we can work to address it and should work to address it as God's people on the earth, but it's not going to be addressed fully. And so we look forward to like the apocalypse, uh, often in the new Testament is a positive thing that it's, Hey, we're waiting for the Lord to come and we're waiting for the, the pain of this age. We're looking forward to it. Um, but when it does come, there's a fearsomeness to it, uh, that there is, you know, you want to be in, uh, counted among God's people. You want to be, uh, those among those who for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you know, he died for us so that whether we're awake, whether we're still alive or whether we die, we may live together with him. So that's the encouraging part as the, uh, as the day of the Lord approaches that and the urgency perhaps of, of the gospel. Um, because when it, when it comes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of injustice to correct. Uh, and I think that's something that should focus us on things that maybe are more important, uh, than others. And that's kind of what you see in this passage that, um, you know, when it comes, it's going to come like a thief in the night. It's, it's and labor pains in a pregnant woman, which are interesting things mm-hmm. that, especially the second one, I would imagine when labor pains came on a pregnant woman in the ancient world, it was sort of joy and fear, mm-hmm. right? Because now it seems so, uh, it seems, it doesn't seem ordinary, but it almost seems like it, we talk ourselves into, you know, this happens all the time. People go to the hospital, they have babies. It's fine. But of course, I mean, if a woman started bleeding during, you know, they didn't have C-sections. They didn't have mm-hmm. any of those things. So it could be the beginning of something very bad or the beginning of something very good. So there's some hopeful trepidation to it. That's that, that's what I'm getting from that image, right? Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, and right? I, think, I think it's um, – th- that's interesting because that's a seems to be a picture throughout the scriptures of um, the whole creation and – um, the people of God aching for all the wrongs to be righted, aching mm-hmm. for home, um, aching for, you know, the Genesis one and two, what was and what will be, but not what we're in right now. And so there is a visceral, um, you know, uh, groaning, so to speak, of, mm. I, things aren't supposed to be this way. I'm not supposed to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Um, and I think, yeah, so labor, labor pains, deep pains. Yeah. And the hope of something being reborn, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, being remade, being reborn, uh, being redeemed. Um, uh, and that, that, 
that all should serve to, you know, so then, you know, live like children of the day. So then be focused, both of them be sober, you know, be alert, be on task, be on mission. Um, and uh, I think uh, it's kind of like, don't be like the others. That's all sort of mixed in there. And I think the others in the sense of people who kind of forget this fact, people mm-hmm. who kind of are living as though this is it. Uh, and, you know, that uh, this life is the only life. It seems like that's the contrast, which we all can do and perhaps probably do do for long stretches of our lives. We live as though, you know, this life is the only life. Even being a Christian in a church, which should be pointed towards heaven, we live as if going to church, even the spiritual religious rhythms are something that, because you know, we just think our life is really long and I'll have plenty of time to think of something else later when that's sort of what it seems like what Paul is saying is you focus now for your life, knowing that this is part of some bigger story and what you're, we're doing here matters in the bigger story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just so easy to kind of forget that whether it's being caught up in the fear and uh, travails of whatever's going on in the world negatively or uh, whatever shifts are going on or whether we get caught up in the comfort and ease of relatively peaceful and prosperous times right yeah i think there's probably uh, this off the top of the head there's probably more but um three you know even as you talk about story and apocalypse and movies and uh, all these things probably three really strong distractions or alternatives to what Paul is saying, which is basically to be awake. Let us be awake and sober. Um, and like you said, one of those is, is comfort where when we have, you know, enough money and uh, enough, you know, modern medicine that things don't get so bad that we can insulate ourselves um, and we can kind of go back to sleep. Um, but also, um, entertainment, I think entertainment, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the apocalyptic story isn't pointing to something deeper that I should pay attention to. It's just something to entertain me. Right. That was it. That that's a great story now or something. Um, but then just, just in general, um, distraction. So I can use all of these, you know, the injustices that we're seeing today or pandemic or whatever, they're really, all right. So, um, yeah, so we had a little, inter- uh, I guess my internet uh, interrupted. Uh, so we're back and, um, and Chad was in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and all you hear is like this pew, pew. Mike's gone. Right. Like a thief. Like a thief in the night. <laughs> it's sort of, fun. sort of funny. Uh-huh. You won't know it's coming. You didn't it won't see be it. coming. You It'll be just like, your internet going out suddenly. That's what it'd be like. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So yeah, continue. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, Paul's saying, Paul wants everybody to wake up. Um, he want, And he wants people to stay awake. So there's a, a keep waking up process because the natural tendency is to want to go to sleep. Um, metaphorically speaking, to put yourself to sleep, to anesthetize, to numb yourself. And so three of the strong things we see, like you said, is comfort. If I have enough money in modern medicine and things don't go bad enough. Maybe I can insulate myself from all that. 
which is 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 a strong one. Uh, but other two are entertainment. So the apocalyptic literature or um, movies, they're not necessarily pointing to something deeper that I need to pay attention to or, or reflective of even my own projection of fear and anxiety that I need to pay attention to. Uh, they're just something to be entertained by. Um, or just the strong uh, distractions. You know, um, we can uh, we can use all the injustices going on right now uh, or the pandemic or whatever. And those are really strong um, things that we can use to distract ourselves um, from waking up, which is what Paul is trying to get at here. Uh, wake up, wake up and mm -hmm. stay sober. And um, l don't forget, you know, I'm reminded of the parable in Mark 4, uh, seed on the ground, two types of soil, basically hospitable and inhospitable. One of the types of inhospitable um, that, that choked out the seed uh, was because of the cares and worries of this life. Mm -hmm. And it's not that we don't have cares and worries and that we don't have to mow the yard and wash the dishes and go to work and things like that. That's normal. Um, but it's that we, we let that become so big, you know, and, and, and essentially our world becomes so small during mm -hmm. that that it overshadows us waking up. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's sort of, you know, what you're talking about is we can live as though we're asleep to what's the, we're asleep uh, or drunk to the, this bigger reality and what, what anesthetizes us, if you will, uh, is either comfort or distraction or something, something mm -hmm. else, mm -hmm. success, comfort, uh, distraction, fear, um, busyness, and we lose, and that does shrink our life down to those things instead of those things within this way bigger story. So live as though it's 10 a.m., you know, basically, mm -hmm. uh, is what, uh, is what Paul is saying. So, cause it won't be like the sun starts to go down and then it's dusk and then the stars start to come out and then the Lord will come back. When the Lord comes back, it'll seem like it's 10 a.m. Just mm -hmm. keep going, right? Uh, and so then live in faith, uh, be on mission, be about the business of, you know, working out your salvation, your own transformation, loving others, um, you know, taking God's mission forward into the world, uh, transforming our communities as much as possible. And it's the, 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 the problem is, or the difficulty is <clears throat> it's hard to do that when it's hard to be awake at like it's 10 AM when, every, when a lot of people around you are sleeping. Yeah. It'd be like going to, um, you know, I don't know if you go, you go to Europe or something and then you, you know, you, you're wide awake in the middle of the night and everyone else is asleep and, um, it's kind of a hard place to be pretty soon. You just acquiesce and, and you adjust and, you know, an illustration I've used, um, in the past, uh, it is, uh, it's like we, we play the game as if the rules are different than they actually are, uh, this game of living our lives. And it'd be like, you know, we were playing monopoly, you know, me and you and Jacob, uh, and, you know, you, you get, you know, you get Boardwalk and Park Place and you get all the green ones and you get all the yellow ones. 
and uh, so on. And, you know, you're cleaning up. Uh, and, you know, we decide, you know, that the, the end of the game or the time has come to end the game. And uh, all I have is Baltic Avenue. Uh, but then I pull out a s- second set of rules that says that these are actually the real rules that supersede. And the winner of the game is the person who buys Baltic Avenue first. And, you know, you would likely say, well, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, I wasn't, that's wasn't what I thought the game was about. The game was about amassing other properties, expensive properties, putting houses and hotels and extracting rents and driving you into bankruptcy. That's what, which is, which is what boardwalk is, is drive everyone else mm-hmm. into bankruptcy. Uh, and it would be like, well, no. Um, yeah, it seemed like what I was doing made no sense. Uh, but I was just playing like different rules. And I think that's, that's where the faith part comes in, where we have to live living by faith. It's not just accepting theologically that there will be an end and accepting the theology of the end and, you know, trying to get all of that eschatology, right. It's really way more important to kind of have a general idea that this is coming to an end and we won't know when. And so by Baltic Avenue, even when everyone else is, you know, doing whatever else they're doing, uh, that live in a way that fits the the bigger story. What do you think of that? Yeah. Uh, no, I think that's a really, I like that analogy. Um, think of first Corinthians, the, the gospel is God's foolishness to the world. So you think of that analogy in the, person just says well that's that's foolish because everyone read the real rules up front and Mm -hmm. you know that doesn't really happen but actually that's more in step with the truth especially look at what your passage you just read in thessalonians is there's a shock a shocked sense of we thought it was peace and safety right but then the day of the lord came there's this deep shock and almost betrayal yeah we we were betrayed, right. but really it's self-betrayal mm-hmm. um, because as Romans says, the the divine power and wisdom and uh, knowledge of God has been display, put on display for the whole world to see in creation. And so at some level, it's a self-betrayal that people that I didn't see it or people don't see it. And it's a shock and betrayal that, oh, maybe, maybe I knew somehow that these weren't the real rules. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's just, yeah, in my, in my moments of, Hey, is there a better way to live? I would, that those would come and go and I would get swallowed back up into all the things that everyone said about having a successful life. And of course, you know, going to school, working hard, uh, staying out of trouble, um, trying to be a good person in the, in the world are, aren't bad things. They're just a, not, they're not ultimate things. And B, we, you know, on our own, us trying to be a good person in the world is not going to be super, super effective that there's a whole nother way that doesn't seem to make sense where you're actually, well, you could be doing those things, but you need to humble yourself. You need to die to yourself. You know, you need to um, follow in a way that's painful and tie yourself to other people in a way that you don't really want to do. And, and so on and so on. All the things that are sort of paradoxical, paradoxical about the Christian life only seem that way because we forget what the real rules are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, 
So that's, that's, um, that's kind of, you know, I guess encouragement is, you know, it's encourage one another uh, with these words is kind of therefore encourage and build each other up, you know, in light of this, um, help each other, not forget, you know, kind of. I feel like this, yeah, we're, we're, we've actually dropped a lot of analogies today as analogy central here, Come on. Uh, 60, but back to your earlier one of going to overseas and you're awake in the middle of the night um, and other people are sleeping. Yeah. You, you, that's, that feels like it's true. And it's, I think Paul is saying you have to stay there. You mm-hmm. don't acquiesce. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't feel like well, I've just got to adjust because the natural pull will be all of the tide and the the push of the culture is going this way, um, and it's going to be difficult. But that's what that's what this is about. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, probably we should say a couple things about what the new age will be or may be. Um, you said there's a continuity, mm-hmm. which I think is important to say that there is a connection and a continuity. What we don't maybe know all the ways uh, that what we do here matters for the next age, but it does. I mean, that's clear. Uh, and things like beauty and love are really hints, hints and rumors of the next day, foretastes of you know, what it will be when, when it, when the new age comes, it will be all beauty and, and there will be no ugliest. And now we have little glimpses and, and so on. Um, and let me, I want to, um, uh, I want to go to another piece of venerable Christian literature. We've got Tolkien and Lewis in the same, in the same podcast. And at the end of the Chronicles of Narnia, um, you, they, they are basically have made their way to not to Aslan's country. Uh, and there's a, the unicorn says, um, well, it says, he says the difference between the old Narnia and the new Narnia was like that. The new one was a deeper country. Every rock and flower and blade of grass looked as if it meant more. I can't describe it any better than that. If you ever get there, you'll know what I mean. It was the unicorn unicorn who summed up what everyone was feeling. He stamped his right forehoof on the ground and neighed and then cried, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I have been looking for all my life, though I never knew it till now. The reason we loved the old Narnia is that it sometimes looked a little like this. Breathe he he, come further up, come further in. Uh, and that's, I love that. I mean, I don't know how theologically true that is, although I think there is a sense of theological truth in that what we truly are meant to love here will be what characterizes the new age and uh, that there will be some continuity and some, in some sense of uh, the new being a fulfillment, I think, or a redemption or, or even a restoration uh, of the old. Uh, there's a connection between Eden and heaven. And we're, we're kind of in the middle. Um, so do you, first of all, what do you think of that? And what does that mean then for our, us living here and now? Yeah. Um, I, I think the reason that I'm often or have been in the past so dissatisfied with 
um, this could be a caricature, so it may not be fair, but the, the evangelical conversations around apocalypse is that usually it's only discontinuity. Yeah. And you get right. the sense that then you get the sense that this life doesn't really matter. Right. And why, why are we even here? Like we should just skip over this part and get to the, get to the real thing. And, but Paul doesn't seem to imply that at all. He actually implies, no, it matters so much that we need to keep the end in mind so that we live well here. Right. Um, and so I think that's right. I think, um, I think Lewis is hinting at that is that, you know, eternity is in the hearts of men. And, you know, as I quoted Romans earlier, Mm -hmm. God's beauty and glory, they, they can inbreak. Yeah. They're all around us. And yeah. so they're they're indicating something and then they're pointing at something. Even if it's dim and shadowy because of sin, um, when we get there at last uh, to the new Narnia, I think it will all come into lucid focus um, that this is the real country. And yet the real country was breaking in apocalyptically mm-hmm. into now, into here and now. Yeah. We had the hints and the fortes all along, the mm-hmm. hints and the rumors. Um, yeah, and I think it's important to whatever one thinks of, whatever your you know your eschatological beliefs are, if you don't even know what that means or don't have any, um, the sense that what is clear is it isn't as though well, all of this is going to be destroyed, therefore nothing matters. What that I'm doing here are uh, is not true. Um, you know what it. There, there might be quite a bit of destruction in the restoration, uh, but what is what is clear, even if we don't know exactly how all that works out, is that it, it does matter. That there is a connection, there is a continuity. That that uh, you know that I'm I'm getting talents from my king who is going away, and how I'm investing those talents matters forever in some way that I can't really calculate or know. Um, but it's, and that, I think that part is the next age is by far the much, much, the much bigger age. Mm -hmm. And so doing now what matters, investing now for what matters later is kind of, you know, be sober, be alert, live like it's 10 AM. Um, don't acquiesce, you know, stay out of sync in some sense with, with, uh, with our culture around us. And those, and that was those regards, as you said, um, and that's kind of the mindset of God's people. And, and we can be doing that not as individuals, but as God's people, we can encourage one another and build one another up and remind one another that what, of what is important and what is ultimate. Yeah. Um, so we're, I think we're coming to the end of our, our time. And I thought um, I might uh, end with another little passage from the end of, the, all the Narnian stories, the last battle. <clears throat> um, uh, and it's when Aslan, Aslan is the, is the Christ figure. He's the lion, uh, in the story. Uh, if anyone has possibly not, not heard of the, the Chronicles of Narnia or the lions with the wardrobe or Aslan, uh, you know, we'll, 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 I guess theoretically concede somebody out there may not have heard. Uh, if you haven't heard, you should read the books. That's I'll just say that. Uh, so at the end of the story, uh, Aslan is speaking, and this is um, how Lewis says it. As, and as he spoke, 
he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Uh, that's our future, mm. your destiny. Uh, so comfort and encourage one another with these words. Grace and peace, everybody. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.